Welcome to Senior Connect, a podcast by Okra. In this episode of Feed Your Brain, host Andrea Barato talks with Jean Rakesh, CEO of The Lantern Group, to discuss the concept of personality-centric rehabilitative care, and how it can be utilized to benefit the lives of dementia patients. Hello, and welcome to Feed Your Brain. I am your host, Andrea Parado. Can we enable individuals with dementia and Alzheimer's disease to lead a life that promotes independence with their activities of daily living? What is the difference between quality and fulfillment? I am joined today by Jean McKesh, CEO of The Lantern Group. Hi, Jean. How are you today? Hi, Andrea. Um, we're going to talk about something a little bit different today, um, and hopefully I can say this correctly. Can you please explain to me what personality-centric rehabilitative care is, and is it important for care providers to pay attention to individual fulfillment? Um, absolutely. Thank you. Um, so in our industry, in assisted living, nursing home, uh, memory care, CCRC, in our industry, uh, we paid a lot of attention to person-centric person care. Okay. Um, we, no matter what, we treat them as an individual. We treat them as a person. Right. The focus has been on that for a very, very long time. I, I think since uh, I got into, got into this industry, mm-hmm. uh, person-centric care. And that's very important. Yes, absolutely. I totally agree with that. Um, it's important that we treat every person, individual as a person who they are, what they are all about. Uh, you don't really want, you know, the disease or whatever they have influence your perception or your approach or your attitude and the way you engage with that individual. They are, you know, it's very important. It's the person. In addition to that, what I would like to add is uh, when it comes to Alzheimer's disease, I think it's very important for us to understand the personality of the individual. Okay, yeah. The personality of the individual is very, very important. You know, it, it, it's important because it helps us to understand a certain behavior. Okay. A certain attitude that they may have. You know, we don't want to say that so-and-so is like this or they, they presented this behavior or their attitude. It's because of the disease. If we're not able to discern one's personality, we will not know if if it is if it is that who they are or if it's because of the disease. Okay. So it's so important for us to understand uh, one's personality. Like for example, like the way I had shared in my one of my previous uh, episodes, where my children never thought that I could be that happy-go-lucky guy, and uh, I didn't even know that I was that happy-go-lucky guy. Until recently, I actually ran into a friend of mine, a childhood friend of mine uh, that I have not seen or spoken to since I was in uh, my senior year. And uh, they, when he saw me, he said, man, you haven't changed. You're still the same. You just take things, everything lightly. And whatever you have in your mind, you just say it. And you don't mean, you know, it's not like you, you're just like you live in that moment. You live for that moment and you don't really care about what others say think about you and you're always laughing and funny and that's what I see even now I was shocked because I never would have seen myself like that when I was in high school and uh, and then 
another day, a couple of days ago, someone said, "We, you really have uh, the last 18 months or so, we're seeing that you are not who you used to be. You've changed. You're looking at things very differently. Hmm. And I thought that was very interesting because I, the more I sit back and think, especially the last six months, they said that, you know, I seem to get a bit more angrier fast. I am not angry. I actually, I'm getting angry. Okay. I never, they said, we've, we've never seen you angry. That knitted eyebrow more uh, often. You know, so I, I think it could be because of the pandemic. You know, everything that, you know, we're living through mm -hmm. or with could also be directly impacting, you know, my behavior. So the reason I bring that personality is it's very important for us to understand and know what the client, a senior's personality is. And, 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 and it has to be personality-centric. Our personality gives an idea. My personality will give you some insight into who I am. Right. Not who I was. Right. Because of the disease, I may become who I was. You know, despite the disease, it always should be who I am. Okay. We should never talk about, you know, so-and-so used to be. So-and-so used to be a physician. No, so-and-so is a physician. Right. So he used to be a caregiver. No, so-and-so is a caregiver. You know, that stays with you. See, you never want to talk in past tense when it comes to our seniors. Okay. You know, even if, when I'm 90 years of age and you say, well, Gene used to be a CEO. I'm not sure about that, how I would take that. Maybe I would take it better. I don't know. So I think it's important to always talk in terms of present tense than past tense. Now, when it comes to personality, you have to know my personality, mm -hmm. how I was. What makes me, when, when do I get annoyed? When do I get frustrated? When God, what gets me excited? When I would cooperate, when I would participate? You know, how I live my life? What did I do? See, all of it, that, all of that matters because what happens is our personality, personality gets shaped, you know, over time, I believe. And at the same time, our personality is also expressed over time the way we live our life. And now, you know, you take me, if I'm your client, I was this happy-go-lucky guy, mm -hmm. okay? And you put me in a secure unit, lockdown unit, mm -hmm. and I only get to see four walls, and I don't see anything else, right? Or I see a few people, and I don't see anything else. See, I think that, you know, maybe people are beginning to see that I'm angry, they're seeing my anger or my frustration is because Prior to COVID, I lived my life. Right. I traveled now, both locally and overseas. You know, now I'm traveling overseas. Now I have to go get a COVID test. And I'm afraid that what is going to happen? Will I be able to travel? That anxiousness is always there, right? Because you're going for a very important uh, business meeting. And, and now what if the, my COVID test turns out negative? So that has also now, I'm not able to live my life. I'm not able to travel. I'm not able to talk in front of people. I'm not able to go socialize. I'm not able to do go, go out on weekends. Now I go to a football game. I'm so afraid what people standing right before, you know, right next to me. If I'm being harmful to them, if I have, if I'm going to, if I have COVID, you know, if I'm going to blow it on their face, you know, what if they have COVID, if I carry it home, my clients, my seniors, my staff, you see all that concern and worry that I have really starts impacting my, my presentation, mm -hmm. right? 
So now you have a happy-go-lucky guy who's cheerful all the time, you know, gets excited by little things and is always laughing and smiling. And, and, and you, you lock me down. What happens to me? How am I going to present myself? I don't think it's going to be a laughy, go happy-go-lucky guy anymore. It's not going to Maybe be. Maybe a little withdrawn. Withdrawn. A little depression. Depression. Yeah, sadness. Exactly. So it's important for, uh, for uh, I think, for us to be an effective caregiver is to really understand one's personality. And it is so hard for, for you to assess one's personality when someone has the disease. It's, you know, it's much more convenient for you to check me, check my personality. And there are some, you know, certain tests that you can do. You cannot administer those tests. There are, the, the, personality, the personality tests are a little bit more complex. Mm-hmm. They're not very simple. So the best way for me to understand who Andrea is, if I'm treating, if Andrea is my, uh, I want to know Andrea's personality, then what I would do is I'm going to reach out to your child, your mm-hmm. children or significant other or your nearest family. And I'm going to ask questions, questions like what, what is Andrea's favorite color? Okay, that tells kind of gives me an idea. You know, what are the activities that Andrew not loved, enjoyed, that 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 brings Andrea out? Right. You know, that's Andrea, and and uh, and uh, best vacations. What kind of vacation did she go to? Was it uh, did she enjoy the mountains? Was it the ocean? Were the parks? Was it hiking, mountain climbing, things like that? You know, and um, you know, so there are so we I developed over hundred questions, and uh, the hundred questions takes, you know, you back. If I administer those questions to you, it takes you back to your early childhood days, all the way up to your 20, 25, 30 years old. Hmm. Okay, and that kind of gives me some insight into who you are, not who you were, who you are, because. As a caregiver, my responsibility is to bring that who you are out. Now, once I know your personality, then I know how to interact with you, how to engage with you, how to bring the best out of you. So understanding one's personality, knowing one's personality, knowing one's rituals is very important for a caregiver to engage, to interact, to be productive, and most importantly, to create that music that we are looking for, for the care receiver and the caregiver to sync. So that's uh, personality-centric rehabilitative, PCRs, I'm sorry, excuse me, PCRs, personality-centric rehabilitative care. For me to treat someone with Alzheimer's disease, for me, that it, treating someone with Alzheimer's disease in a way is actually rehabilitation. It's brain rehabilitation. It's kind of like a neuro rehabilitation. Right. It, it, it's. It's for it's very important for me to understand their personality, and that's that's how I coined the term PCRC, personality centric. Yes, treating them as a person is a given; should be a given. You have to treat that individual as a person, no matter what, who they are, what they are. Now you, you're incorporating the personality to understand them, and using that personality to rehabilitate them. Does the personality go as far as um, that person's um, humorous side? Um, do they have a sarcastic side? Um, 
verbal engagements as well. So if a particular person with Alzheimer's disease is a very humorous person, would that help um, engage with that person and even bring them some form of fulfillment um, if you were to engage on that level of personality, understanding that personality and just knowing that you can um, be silly with that person and that brings them fulfillment. Um, does that tie into the personality-centric rehabilitative care model? Oh, absolutely. Everything, all of it. All of, I mean, you, you, put it, you put it so beautifully. All of it is very important. You know, see, what fulfills me Will not will not be the same that fulfills you. What fulfill what fulfills you will not be the will will not fulfill me. We all have different different things fulfills us differently. Right. It is based on our personality, mm -hmm. our uh, experience, our lifestyle, the way we lived, our education levels. It could be many things that brings fulfillment. Right. So fulfillment is very subjective. It's not objective. Fulfillment is very, very subjective. Quality of care is objective. Okay. You can define quality. You can, you know, because you can use objective ways, objective measures to define quality. But you cannot define objectively fulfillment. Hmm. That's interesting. So things that fulfills me will not fulfill you. I could be a person that is deeply spiritual, religious, and connected to God. That would is that that brings fulfillment to me. If someone that is not religious, not spiritual, so whatever I practice may not fulfill them. Make sense? Mm -hmm. It's very subjective. So I, I think it's important for us to understand as caregivers is what fulfills the person that I'm caring for. Okay. You know, even in a relationship, we talked about the great experience, right? And, and I, we talked about where there's a crack in the relationship when we start impressing our role, our authority, our title, you know. And if I keep telling my wife, I'm the husband, this is what I'm not. Okay, my responsibility is to take the dumpster out and it's your responsibility to clean the, you know, the plates. Uh, well, you can define that, but in a way, if she, when she is washing the plates, if I have the time and I, I can do it, I should do it. Mm -hmm. At the same time, I should not expect her to wash the plates all the time. Since I'm the one who takes the dumpster out, I should not expect her to take the dumpster because now I want her to do what I'm doing for her. So fulfillment also plays into, you know, what is fulfilling, fulfilling to me is also in one, some ways is defined by the love language that we practice. And I know it's another topic. It's another, another topic. Episode, uh, <laughs> there are five love languages. So the love language also influences our fulfillment. Okay. Our personal fulfillment. So, you know, when I have a client with a senior with Alzheimer's disease, you know, what is important to them may not be important to their adult children. Sometimes we do what is important for the adult children and not important for the client, not important for the senior. The senior is not able to articulate their preferences, their desires, their needs, what 
will bring that personal fulfillment. Right. The adult children sometimes are able to articulate based on assumptions and also based on what they think is needed. That makes sense. Okay. I'm not saying it happens all the time. Sometimes. That sometimes I know I think what is good for my son. <laughs> right. You know, my son is a senior. He's getting ready to pick colleges. You know, I there's something that I would like him to do, but my son, he may have a completely different desire. Right. So my son may not have the ability to articulate everything like the way I would be able to articulate when I, you know, at my age. And he would try everything possible to articulate every way possible, articulate everything every way possible, his desire and preferences. Sometimes he's afraid to articulate because he thinks that things that he would like to do may not fit into my, my, my preference, my desire, my need. So fulfillment is very subjective. That's what I was trying. The reason I was giving all these examples is, you know, it's very subjective. And I think that when you are fulfilled, you feel whole, you feel at peace. There is no need for anything. A moment where there is no more need. And I can we can we create that? I think as a caregiver, we have to challenge ourselves. Is can I create that sense of fulfillment to every client, every senior that I engage with, I interact with? Because, like the way I said, no one planned to be to live in a nursing home or an assisted living. And I think I got, that's why I talk about that moral responsibility. Talk about caregivers have that power to make that huge impact. Everyone, designers, everyone has a huge impact. Because I think in this industry, it's not about us, it's about them. Right. It's always been about them. So the sense of fulfillment is very subjective. And, uh, you know, many times it's challenging to understand what it is. But I personally think that if you understand one's personality, mm -hmm. we'll be able to figure out what fulfills them. I have one question, um, and you can answer this, or maybe you won't remember. Um, but when you talk about Alzheimer's, everybody who has Alzheimer's and dementia is a unique individual, right? Um, starting out in the healthcare industry, they just had dementia or they just had Alzheimer's disease. And there wasn't anything that really identified them as an individual other than the fact that they all had Alzheimer's disease. Was there a defining moment when you were working in this industry that led you to that opinion that um, somebody who has Alzheimer's disease is a unique individual and we need to treat them as such and where that personality-centric rehabilitative care model came into play? Um, yes, you know, I'm glad you asked the question. Thank you. Uh, one of the things I realized when, early on in my life, when I was, uh, you know, new in the industry, trying to learn about Alzheimer's disease, even though, you know, I, I'm an occupational therapist, but I still did not have the exposure, uh, that I've had in the last 15 years. Um, so when I started looking at, uh, uh, our seniors mm -hmm. and you know early on i didn't know what to do i honestly did not know what to do you know i i, I was doing everything that one shouldn't do right from reality orientation to um, do you remember yesterday <laughs> <laughs> exactly or oh, you just had your dinner you know when they asked for dinner 
or saying that they don't have children and they should go back to their room and and things like that. And uh, there's so much they teach you and and they, they've taught me. And I think they're still teaching me. Yes. And and, and, and let's say, for example, you know, whatever, like, for uh, I'll give an example. So a few years ago, I want to say sometime in 2006, 2005, and I had a, 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 a wonderful a, a young woman, 90 years of age. <laughs> I could still call her young because she was so young at heart. And, 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 uh, and uh, she had uh, presented with a certain behavior. And I found a way to address her needs and, and create a sense of full, fulfillment for her. Now I'm going like, hey, right. I was like super excited. Okay, right. I know exactly what to do. Right. Now I took the same thing and applied with another woman. How'd that work? I, totally, I fell <laughs> flat on my face. Totally <laughs> misfired, backfired. And that's when I realized, oh my God. I mean, yes, they have the diagnosis. It, you know, says Alzheimer's disease, but they are different. And they're unusual. They're very unique. And that you know, drove me to do further research. And that's when I realized that no two human brain is the same. I mean, it, it, when, you, when you read that neuroanatomy, you know, science talks about no two human brain is the same. And even, even the parts of the brain, you know, when you take like hundreds of brains and you overlap, you take photographs of those brains and you overlap those brains, try to figure out, let's say that you find, you know, you can tell exactly where the heart is. Right. You can tell exactly where the kidney is, the liver is, right? Mm -hmm. When it comes to the brain, you really cannot pinpoint and say that part where it is. It's around the vicinity because right. in this brain, it'll be right here. And another brain, it won't be right there, but it'll be maybe less than a quarter an inch down to the right or to the left. So they, it is, it's amazing. It's very unusual. That's why I feel like I say this, our, our brain is so powerful. It's very unique, very unusual. And they're not the same. They're not the same. They're unique. They're unusual. And now, when you have the disease, when you, unfortunately, when you come down with the disease, the personality, you know, you as a person, your occupation, your culture, your language, you know, your lifestyle, all of that start impacting, starts playing a very important role, you know, as you go through the different stages of the disease. So there are so many variables okay. that one that, that one has or one is exposed to, or one one you know one one has cultivated or brought those variables into their life throughout their life, and that starts you know kind of influencing you know the individual during the disease process. So you know that's another reason why the personality, the fulfillment, those are the, that's how I learned about. Um, the, the the existence of those things and it's important for us as caregivers to really understand um, those two components well that's really good information thank you very much hopefully the rest of us in the healthcare industry can continue to learn from our seniors who are living with alzheimer's disease so that we can make their lives way more purposeful and fulfilling in the future. Actually, our lives, because we... Our we, lives, our lives. Yes. We, we will be there one we day. We will be there. So we, we got to figure out this fast. Yes, we need, we, we, we we need got, to work we on gotta, it. We got to work on this. But thank you so much, Andrea. It was truly a pleasure thank being you. part of this episode. Thank you. We learned so much today. Thank you. Thank you for listening. 
Be sure to visit us at www.okra.com for more great content.